Talk Zone presents Two Guys on a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys on a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome in, everybody, and let me let me state this emphatically. I am very, very happy to be in these studios today because there is plenty to talk about, and I'm just very happy to be in this seat right now because I almost didn't make it today. Metro, I got a beef with you. I'm going to get into that. 888-463-6748 is the phone number to come join us, and we got plenty to talk about today. We got Cubs baseball. The NFL draft, specifically Bears talk. Going to be talking Chicago Bulls, and if you're talking Chicago Bulls, there's one story about the Chicago Bulls, and that's D. Rose and how uh, the Bulls are going to handle the, the series and how D. Rose and the team are going to handle it for the future. But let's worry about the series right now. And also, coming up in just a short time is the one and only Patrick Schmidt. He's an excellent, excellent writer. Uh, we've been getting, to, I've been getting to know him lately. He's going to be on at 10:15. He's going to help us talk a little Chicago Cubs and D Rose basketball. And other than that, it's my guy, David Olson, on the other side of the glass, and uh, he's going to be producing the show today. The coach, John Cohn. Well, he has, he's at home today. He didn't take out the garbage last week, and his wife was making him clean out the whole garage and everything. Remember, if a wife tells you to do something, do it, because if you don't, you got ten times more work after that. 888-463-6748. Two guys and a mic. Call us up. Woo. Welcome, welcome in. And, and i got to tell you something. Uh, I love doing the solo shows. Not because Coach isn't here and I don't have to put up with uh, his his wise crap comments and all that other stuff. Is uh, I just like sometimes to you know produce the show, write it up, get everything going. And this morning I made it a point to uh, get to the train early so I didn't have to rush plan the show when I'm getting here. Well, so uh, you know I take my time. Luckily, Lily the Lilac, who's absolutely phenomenal to me. Decides to drive me to the train station. I get there about 20 minutes, more than 20 minutes early. I walk in, and I don't know if you know this, but I'm talking Metro, not CTA. They make you pay $3 extra if you have to buy the ticket on the train. And let's, let's just say $3 to me is, is important. As a matter of fact, I bring my own water with me. This is not crew vodka, but they, everyone, they sell crew vodka in resealable containers. And that's why I, I drink the cheapest vodka in the world. I, you know, if I'm mixing it with something. You know, I put this in the absolute bottle. Nobody knows the difference. And all of a sudden, I have a container. Taking my own sweet time this morning. And all of a sudden, I walk around to the ticket line. There's at least 500 people in line. I'm not making this up. If anybody's ever been to Union Station, they got the whole uh, crisscross pattern entrance that you get in. Well, that was full. And then the line went out of there, went all the way around the entrance to where that flower shop is, from where you buy the tickets. I counted about... 20% of the line when I got to, got to 200, I mean, uh, to 100 people. And at that point, I'm like, there's 500 people in line. And so I, I, by the time it was my turn to get on the train, I couldn't buy the ticket. I run to get to the train. You know what? I'm lucky that I could, that I can walk. So I'm not ripping anybody. Let's just say like right when I was getting through the, through a pattern of people to get to my train, a guy in a wheelchair comes out right and cuts right in front of me. And I couldn't get around him. And what am I supposed to say? Hey, buddy in the wheelchair, quit being a jackass. I take my time. And finally, you know, I get around him. 
And now I have to sprint. And as I'm sprinting and turn the corner, I see the train and the, and the conductor get on the train and I yell, wait! He doesn't wait. No, he doesn't wait. Gets right on and closes the door right in front of me. I gave him the bird. I flipped him the middle finger. I'm like, seriously, the only reason why I was late is because you guys don't have enough people at your register. And then I'm like, what am I going to do? I have a live show to be on and there's nothing. I don't have a car. I'm a Chicagoan. I'm one of those tree hugging Republicans. I believe that people should use commuters. They should commute. But I'm totally stuck now. So I, I'm like, call up David Olson. I got my guy Patrick Smith calling up at 1015. I got to be in studio. Patrick, uh, David Olson. Thank you very much. I got on the blue line. He went out of his way, picked me up, and got me here just in time. And then he sees me drinking crew. He thinks I'm drinking crew vodka right out of the bottle. It's water, people. It's water, I promise you. So thank you, David. You know, it's a panic thing. You know, when when you're supposed to be at a place by 930, and you know you might get there at like 1030, and you're live at 10, and you can't be later than 959, that's one heck of a panic. That That's a workout in itself. It's, it's like when Carlos Marmol comes into the game for the Cubs. You don't have to work out. Just if you're a Cub fan, watch the game. Your heart rate's going to go up 500 beats a minute. Now, and you've made that walk on foot before, haven't you? From yes. Blue you know what? Studio. It's funny. It's like the first time I did it, I pictured it. I'm like, Milwaukee, just walk up Waukegan. I'm like, it's like a 45-minute walk. I can do it. Well, it was more like a it was like a, a two-and-a-half-hour walk. It wasn't worth it. It was way longer than I pictured it yeah, in my well, mind's yeah, eye. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was 15 minutes in the car. You catch the lights. So. Yeah, and, and I would have been late that day, but it just so happened that uh, one of our devoted listeners, Dan Dan Shanahan, was driving by in his police car and happened, the police sirens go off. I'm like, oh, no, not again. What did I do? And I was about to say to the guy, I did nothing wrong. I do not consent to this search. Ends up being my boy Dan Shanahan. I was like, oh, he got me here on time that day. That was that was one heck of a show. So, uh, I, I hate all the I, I hate all like the fluster getting here. But if you think about it, in the whole world, getting a little being a little flustered on the way to work is not that big of a deal. Like I said, I got slowed down by a guy in a wheelchair. I would much rather be late to work than be in a wheelchair. So and uh, and quite honestly, I can walk today. Something that Derrick Rose can't do, and a lot of other people can't. So uh, all in all, uh, I think I'm a, a pretty lucky guy. You know, the world of sports this weekend, it was all over the place. And the stuff that happened, the major stories that came out of this weekend, and it's sad to say that probably the biggest story that comes out of the whole entire weekend is the Derrick Rose injury. And, you know, as Bulls fans, it's funny. All of us were saying this like, oh, the Bulls will be fine. They have a real, real legitimate shot at beating the Heat. We We've been saying that for two years. You know, as Bulls fans. But last year when we said it, we would just say that, hey, I believe we can beat the Heat. And then this year it's been, I believe we can beat the Heat as long as Derrick Rose is healthy. That's been, other people haven't been saying that, but I know a lot have added that if or but. When uh, Derrick Rose went down on uh, on Saturday, there was a collective gasp, not only in the city of Chicago, Just basketball fans in general, because the Bulls are the one team around the NBA that people thought could beat the Miami Heat. And you you can say whatever you will, as trust me, as the Chicago fans are are feeling it the most. In Miami, there was like a collective, ah, what a relief. The one team that could beat us lost the guy that we have a, a difficulty uh, guarding. Even though Miami does do pretty well against against Derrick Rose, especially this year they have. 
But it seems like, you know, and then the, the, like the feeling that was coming out of Miami, you know, I'm, 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 I'm like contacting people. I'm reading the stuff coming out of Miami. They're like relieved. It's like, oh yeah, Derek, it's done. The, we can coronate the, coronate the heat. The rest of basketball, all basketball fans that aren't Miami Heat fans are like disgusted by this. If you're a diehard Bulls fan, it feels like you just got stabbed in the heart. It was an ugly, ugly day for the game of basketball. And, you know, and this is, this is really sad. But I, you know, I, I have not given up. I really am going to root for the Bulls. This is almost like the 1994 Bulls. If you if you guys are anybody who's a little bit older that's a basketball fan, anybody that's a diehard Bulls fan, you know what I'm talking about. The 93-94 season is the year after Michael Jordan retired. It's the last year Horace Grant was on the team. We didn't know that he was going to, you know, leave for Miami and all that. I mean, Orlando. And it was one of those Bulls teams that all Bulls fans could really really back because it was just so cool to see all those guys try to prove that they weren't just Michael Jordan's team. And and in the end, the effort and the playing as a team got him as far as they could go, which was uh, uh, losing to the Knicks uh, in the conference semifinals. But the, the, the truth of the matter was that was one of those teams that was really beloved. It's a little different on this team because, you know, Michael Jordan retired and we all banded together. But like, all of a sudden it's like, oh, we got Derrick Rose. All of a sudden he got hurt. It's a little different. You know, I mean, it's almost like the, the, the air was let out of the balloon and it's like, oh, we don't have a chance anymore. I'm, hopefully the players don't think that. And I know not all Bulls fans think that. Hopefully you're one of those Bulls fans that is like me, realizes the chance are significantly hurt. But just like Tom Thibodeau said, it's not a death sentence. And do, do I think that they're going to win? No, I really don't think that they're going to be able to, to, I think they're going to win the first round. I think they could win in the second round. Do they, can they beat the Heat? I wouldn't be a gambling man on it. I really don't think it could happen. But all I know is this is I haven't given up. I'm going to watch every one of those games. I'm going to see red the whole entire time. And, and getting back to the point, nationally, what do you think nationally the NBA is like? The last thing they want, do you think the NBA really wants the Miami Heat to win the title? Just if, I mean, maybe they don't care. Maybe they truly, hey, whoever wins it, wins it. I really don't believe that. I really do believe David Stern sits around and is like hopefully it's Miami and Chicago in the conference finals and it's it's uh Oklahoma City and Los Angeles Lakers in the other conference finals and we get all these major markets and it ends up being Chicago LA or you know if Miami ends up winning it there's going to be 29 cities 29 team worth of fans that are going to be kind of disgusted around the NBA and people are always you know let's face it LeBron James is everybody's whipping boy. Before he went to Cleveland, it was like he was the heir apparent. And I'm not H-E-I-R, the A-I-R. If he, you know, everybody loved him or respected him. And even if he didn't have the killer instinct, people were like, he's a hometown guy. He's the greatest talent, blah, blah, blah. Well, and then he leaves and now he's the most hated guy. And ever since then, people are like, well, if he wins a title, it'll be tainted. Because he has Dwayne Wade and, and, uh, Chris Bosch with him. And then other people were like, well, even if he, well, what if he hits the game winning shot in game seven? And other people were like, well, this year it won't count because it's only a 66 game season. Well, guess what? If the Heat win this year, it will be a tainted title because they're going to say, well, you beat the Bulls and they didn't have Derrick Rose and he's the best point guard in the league on the best team in the league. And that's how they're a point guard driven offense. So, you know who, LeBron James gets hurt in this too. 
Because if he wins, I will guarantee you that's the first thing that's said by every single LeBron hater, and and that's what's going to happen. The first thing LeBron James needs to say before they play the Heat is this, I really wish Derrick Rose was playing. Instead, like the smugness, like Dwayne Wade, oh, that's what happens in the, that's what happens in the playoffs. People get hurt. Teams that are deep go on. Well, the Bulls are a lot deeper than you, Dwayne Wade, in the, in the Miami Heat. But Dwayne Wade has lost his Chicago pass. Two weeks ago, he's, uh, LeBron James is smacking Luol Dang on his, on his bad wrist, uh, setting picks on John Lucas, who's the size of a munchkin. Dwayne Wayne hammering people after fault. James Jones hitting uh, Joe Kim Noah in the mouth. And, and Dwayne Wade said, oh, yeah, the Bulls, they just goon it up. I, I, I tell you, if the Heat end up winning the NBA championship right now, David Stern's going to just put his head in the sand for like a week and just be like, I, I can't believe this has happened. This is It's legitimately, this is turning into the worst season that the NBA could have ever imagined. Because people are all jacked up about all the, all the condensed schedule. Then all of a sudden, all the injuries, is it because of the condensed schedule? I don't know. I'm not 100% positive that, it, that it's uh, about the condensed schedule. But let's face it, now with all these injuries late in the year, they're going to blame the condensed schedule. And all of a sudden, you got the the one of the – I'd have to say he's probably the the number one player in the league in terms of fan favorites is Derrick Rose. And if only – obviously, Kobe Bryant – has been around longer, and there's been more Kobe Bryant jerseys sold all time. But this year, Derrick Rose, the most jerseys sold in the NBA were Derrick Rose. And your number one guy in one of the most beloved sports markets. You can say the Knicks are beloved and all that, but you, let's face it, the Knicks are also one of the, the most hated the Knicks, teams. The, 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 yeah, the Knicks are beloved on the East Coast. Yes. So we'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. And then wherever their pockets in New Yorkers, I think... I think you're going to find more Chicago fans nationwide than you will find New York fan, New York Knicks fans. No, you're probably right. You're probably, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that in the '90s, Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson and Scottie Pippen played a beautiful brand of basketball. They were able to beat your butt without being the bad boy Pistons or the the Knicks of the '90s or or the Heat now. You know, just playing like cheap basketball, and, and that's that sits well with people. Do you know what I mean? When you can go out and play a beautiful brand. Hey, if you're if you're in you know in Arkansas and you got to pick a team, it's a lot more fun to pick the guys that are the beautiful playing game and don't have to foul hard and all that stuff. So the NBA really, really took it on the chin with with the Derrick Rose loss. Uh, obviously, the Bulls fans—that's who I feel for the most—are Chicago Bulls fans because. And the organization, Derrick Rose, all that stuff. Everybody feels bad, but it goes the fans. His teammates, then Derrick Rose, and then the Bulls organization, I feel bad for in that particular order because uh, this team so backs Derrick Rose. They're really behind him in every single point. And uh, the look on the faces of, of his teammates after he got hurt was, uh, it was it was concern. And I really feel for those guys because uh, they were willing to give whatever they had in terms of recognition or points scored or credit or whatever you want to say to make sure that they won games. And it meant that Derrick Rose was their leader. And now that he's been ripped away from them, it, it, it's really, really too bad. Uh, John Paxson and now Gar Foreman have done a phenomenal job of building a team around, uh, around Derrick Rose and to have him plucked out. It, it's really, really too bad. 888463. 6748, and we're going to head on out to the phone lines and how I do th- Okay. 
Oh, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll just pop it and tell you live. Uh, we'll have Pigskin Boy to talk a little draft after 10:30. Oh, absolutely. And then uh, we're going. To, I don't read very well. Is all I'm saying to you, folks. Yeah, we're still waiting for Patrick to check in. Okay. Yeah, and Patrick Smith's going to be joining us here shortly. Uh, we're going to talk uh, NFL draft with Pigskin Boy later. And all I know is if it's if we're talking. NFL draft with Pixon Boy is going to be upset that a big hog molly was not drafted by the Chicago Bears sometime within the, the first three or four rounds. They felt a lot of needs, but that made no sense to me. None. He must They must be very confident in what they have. That's all i got to say. I, I, I will tell you this. The Bears' offensive line was decent the last couple weeks of the season. But it's it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to tell when Caleb Haney was your quarterback. De- yeah, well, but yeah, decent doesn't keep uh, you know, Jay Cutler off the turf. Mm-hmm. It, it, I guess though, if you're drafting for needs, we'll, we'll definitely talk to. Well, I'm going to get Patrick Schmidt's uh, thoughts on that. But if you if you're doing if you're the Bears this weekend, and you're sitting around the draft board, the, the Bears had a lot of needs. Offensive line is definitely one of them. A playmaker, wide receiver was one of them. Another pass rusher was one of them. Uh, some cover corners uh, uh, were some of them. And, and if you you know you need an offensive lineman, but you got a guy that you absolutely love and have him rated so far ahead of the offensive lineman, if you draft for need and you take a player that you know is not as good as the other one, sometimes you can really, really screw your franchise over. But then again, who's to say that whoever rated uh, McClellan did a better job of rating uh, Riley Reef? If you understand what I'm saying. who You know what I mean? So sometimes drafting for need could work out because... Hey, who's to say that your your scouting was right? Everybody always thinks they're right in their scouts. Well, I, I, I hate to tell you, even the best scouts are wrong about twenty percent of the time. And and if you don't believe me, look at the look at the New England Patriots because they draft every single draft pick they had. This this particular draft was a reach. Like oh, they could have besides Chandler Jones. You're like wow, you could have got that guy a little further down. Why they take him? So you just don't always know. Eight 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 four six three. 67, uh, 48, talking Bulls, talking Cubs, talking, uh, NFL draft. Now, this weekend on, on the NFL draft, at the end of it, they always do the, hey, let's grade out the draft. Uh, <laughs> I always find it absolutely crazy that they end up, that you literally end up grading out these drafts the day after the draft. I mean, uh, who was anybody to know what these guys are. You okay? need to go back and grade the draft after next season. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's when you need to grade it because that's the only time it's going to matter. It's like, yeah, it looks good on paper, but it don't matter if, the, you know, they, they oh, they got a grade A draft. doesn't matter if they, they can't do it on the field. doesn't yeah, matter. Uh, on the day, the day after the draft, when they do, hey, let's do the uh, post-draft analysis, as soon as you do that, as soon as you do that, they should have a show after. And be like, okay, here's what we said uh, the, right after these drafts about the previous three drafts. And then find out what the grades really were. Yeah, because I, I would love to see not just, hey, let's grade from last year and see how good the draft was. Let's see what you said after the draft last year. Oh, this guy's going to be a great player. He sucked. Okay, so the, I, I, you never grade a draft the, the, right afterwards. And uh, our guy Todd McShay, former quarterback at, at Richmond, that's exactly what he says. What, how are we going to grade this draft? We don't know if these guys can play. And uh, just to let you know, Mel Kuyper gave the Bears a C-plus on their draft, which was the lowest grade out of all the NFC North teams. All I got to say is, Mel Kuyper, I give you the finger. Who is Mel Kuyper to say the, the Bears got a C-plus on their draft? They got Olshan Jeffrey in the second round. Two years ago, 
before uh, uh, Jeff Garcia or whatever his name was, Stevon Garcia of of uh, South Carolina, who was the quarterback of the Gamecocks, decided to drink and smoke his senior year away, and, uh, and Alshon Jeffrey was left without a quarterback. Well, the year before, when he, Garcia was playing great, he was one of the best receivers in the country. As a matter of fact, the only receiver better than Jeffrey two years ago was uh, Justin Blackman. All of a sudden, last year, Alshon Jeffrey is basically double covered the whole entire year, and Stephen Garcia is showing up for practice drunk and high and, and not even showing up for practice. they got three quarterbacks who are revolving out, and he doesn't have that good of a season. Don't forget, Marcus Lattimore, their great running back, gets hurt, and all of a sudden you can totally focus on Alshon Jeffrey. And still, somehow he figures out 900-yard receiving in, in 12 games, has a phenomenal bowl game against uh, uh, Alonzo Dennard. If anybody know who Alonzo Dennard? He was the number two cornerback in the country coming into this season. He was had a you know he was a, an All American, honorable mention All American. Well, in the bowl game, he absolutely dominated that kid. Alshon Jeffrey two years ago, I thought was going to be a top ten pick. The Bears get the guy the next year with right what around pick what they had a, they they traded up for him, which was a smart thing to do. He was going to be plucked off the board. It was around forty two or so when the Bears picked him. Yeah, yeah, okay. they, they they traded up, I think, four spots. It cost him a uh, fifth-round pick. Okay, well, if they traded up four spots, he was at 46, because the Bears had the 50th pick, didn't they, in that, in that, whatever it was, it was around 50th. Well, the Bears trade up, and they snare this guy. I, all I know is this. The Bears had a very average red zone offense last year. Very average. Matt Forte, one of the better all-around running backs in the NFL, his weakest spot is... Uh, short distance running. When it's third and two, Matt Forte isn't going to power you and get you the two yards. When it's third and five, you spread it out a little bit. He'll figure out a way to get in there. It's just he's not a great short distance back. Well, in the offseason, the Bears added Michael Bush, a phenomenal goal line and short distance runner. When it's third and two, he's going to get you two yards. Every time he's going to get you two yards. And now uh, in the in the red zone, you have all Sean Jeffrey. Folks, this guy is massive. He's bigger than Mar- uh, Brandon Marshall. The Bears will score at least an extra touchdown in the red zone a game next season. That's four extra points. You give the Bears four extra points a game, you know what that means? The defense gets to gets to attack a little bit more. They put those errors back and they go after quarterbacks. It's going to be a phenomenal phenomenal year for the for the Chicago Bears. I got I got to tell you Phil Emery. You know, some the Bears have been in a situation where over the last uh over the last like 25 years or so, it seems like all the fans know what their needs are. This team is so covered, so dissected, that every single uh, problem, every single need, every single strength is absolutely obvious to all Bear fans. Because, listen, there's only 16 games a year. The rest of the year is spent breaking and dissecting, you know, who's going to be on the roster. And it, it seems like throughout the years, you know, you would have Bear fans crying, oh, we need a big playmaker. We need a pass rusher. We need this. We need that. And it would be like Jerry Angelo would do the exact opposite. As a matter of fact, the the year uh, before the 09 season when they, they traded Kyle Orton uh, and and a couple draft picks for uh, for Jay Cutler, I was like, are you sure? Did, what, what, was Jer- Jerry Angelo actually listening to what the what the Bears fans wanted, I was absolutely I was completely shocked by that. That was one of the few times he, he ever listened. I'm not saying you should listen to the fans, but it's funny as going into this year, like when Phil Embry takes over, 
all the glaring, obvious needs that the Chicago Bears had, besides offensive line, much, they seem to fill. They go out and I got a, a playmaker on the outside in Brandon Marshall. They go out and get a, a big target in Alshon Jeffrey. They got a guy that can rush the passer in McClellan in the in the first round of this draft. I mean, it's like Phil Embry. It's like, it's like they needed a short-distance runner. I mean, like, they needed a basher, a guy that can go in there and be a hammer. And, and they signed Michael Bush. It's funny. We had all these years of Jerry Angelo once every five years makes a pick where you're like, well, or not a pick or just a fill in a roster hole. We're like, wow, that made sense. Every single move Phil Embry has made this offseason has made total sense. So even though they didn't get the wider or the, the offensive lineman that we might have wanted, the way I look at it is this. All his other moves have been so smart. I'm going to deal with them drafting Kyle McClellan in the first round and them not getting a massive offensive lineman or tackle. And hopefully, Gabe Cremini, their first-round draft pick of last year, remains healthy. And all these other guys make steps because Jamarcus Webb, who was brutal two years ago, bad at the beginning of this year, was average by the end. So hopefully he's above average next year. That's what I'm, that's what I'm truly hoping for. And hopefully Gabe Cremini can remain healthy because if that happens... All of a sudden, this Bears offensive line, which didn't get an addition, is dramatically improved. And maybe with that little bit of an improvement and the fact they have two massive wide receivers on the outside, they can run that little five-yard slant. And if you decide to come too strong on the Chicago Bears, you get burned on the outside. It's a it's, it's a nice little thing that, they, that we got going on here. So 888-463-6748. What's up, my friend? And looking around... Looking around the experts and everything like that, that C grade is what they're getting across the board from everybody. I, I, I do not worry too much about that. They got a first round talent in Alshon Jeffrey with the 46 pick. Um, and if you could say, oh, well, they, the third round had some good players drafted in it. The Bears traded away two of their third round picks for Brandon Marshall. So when people say the Bears didn't have a good draft, remember a bona fide, bona fide Number one receiver out there. Not a guy that you can say, oh, you know, you know how like some guys are number one and then they come to the Bears and you're like, oh, they're, they're a slot receiver. That, that guy was not a, Mushin Muhammad was not a number one receiver. You know, when that stuff happens, th- oh, this guy is legit. This is the type of guy that could lead the NFL in receptions, even though he's getting double covered and, and that type of stuff. That's the type of guy Brandon Marshall is. So it's just good to know that they have actually have legitimate weapons. So when you're great in this draft, take into consideration that two of those draft picks ended up being one Brandon Marshall. And I'll be more and next year if we can trade away two third round draft picks and get a guy that's top five in his position at any position in the NFL, I'll take it every single time. Whether we're talking about the most important position in the league quarterback or Maybe uh, something like a little bit less important, like a like a strong side linebacker or, or, or something like that. Something that's a little bit easier to find in terms of of draft uh, uh, draft depth and, and importance for your team. Eight 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 four six three sixty seven forty eight. I'm glad we're talking a little Chicago Bears football because when we're talking Chicago Bears football, uh, people tend to they get they get impassioned by it. you know just like you know, we have you know Cubs White Sox here. You know people are passionate about their one team. And half of the fans are just totally despise the other. When it comes to the city of Chicago, everybody's a Bulls fan, everybody's a is a Bears fan. All I know is there is passion in this in this city about it. Uh, this weekend, I, I just started getting to this Twitter thing, folks. And you're like, Twitter? Everybody does Twitter. 
Well, sad to say, I, I just started a Twitter account two weeks ago. I didn't know the power. I, I had no idea the power of what Twitter was. Okay. I, yeah, I'm one of those guys that, oh, I don't want change. I wouldn't say I'm against change, but it's just like difficult for me. I was like, what? What everybody's doing it because everybody else is doing it. It took me like four years to create a Facebook account. It took me forever to create this Twitter account, but all I know is one thing. I, you know, I created a Twitter account this year, man, at Twitter. I had no idea the power of this, the reach of this, how addicting it could possibly be. But this, this two weeks after going over and realizing the reaction of Chicago fans over something as minor as like Alfonso Soriano being bad or something as major as Derrick Rose getting injured, there's a lot of angst. There's a lot of people that are bitter. There's angry people in the world. My goodness, the amount of hate that is spewed out on Twitter is just, it's dumbfounding. And how many, how many stupid people that are out in the world and are, that are willing to, to bash people and faceless, faceless bashing. And it's just not Chicago fans in terms of just willing to jump on somebody and bash somebody when they're down. Uh, this week, this whole Joel Ward thing. I don't know if people know this, but last, Last Wednesday, when uh, uh, Joel Ward was able to score a goal and uh, and basically knock the Boston Bruins out of uh, the Stanley Cup Finals, I was at the he's a Washington Capital, I believe, Joel Ward. Uh, immediately after, Twitter blows up with, I can't believe a black dude beat us. Let's just leave it at that. Okay, bunch of these come out there. Your social media. You're on social media. These people have their pictures up there, their names, and they're saying, I can't believe an end, blah, 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 just knocked the Bruins out of the playoffs. Is Boston that backwards ass? I mean, seriously, that you'd be willing to say stuff like that over the air? And then, like, other people, like Miami fans, like a Heat fan, hell yeah, D-Rose done for the year, uh, a gateway for the Heat to win the championship. I, really? That's bad karma. Extremely bad karma. And then, like last week, like these Twitter wars that I've been getting with and people over, over Twitter. Talking about, oh, Cubs, uh, Cubs beat the Cardinals, a bunch of uh, homos, a bunch of gay boys beat the, uh, you're talking about ripping people for being gay on a social network site? These people have their pictures up on their, uh, and their name. Uh, uh, to me, how, you know what, actually, I, I would rather see somebody be, brutally racist and sexist and all that other stuff and be honest than actually be that way and not admit it. You know what I mean? At least publicly, you know, that's a jackass. But I also sat there and I'm like, you know, who would put their picture up in their name? It's probably a fake picture, fake name, and some people out there just putting garbage and nastiness out into the world. So I, I, I'm not sure. 888 I'm just... So as much as I've been impressed by the amount of people that you can connect to, the amount of people that you can get your blog out to, I was writing a blog and I was getting like 15 views. Like the first time I put it out, I get about 15 to 20 views that like the day that I did it. And then I get like two or three afterwards. Well, I'm going on Twitter, the same post that I'm putting out there, I'll get like 50 views on it. People are sharing and stuff. So I have to admit, I finally... Reach the 21st century. Too bad it was the 12th year of the 21st century that I actually got here. So 
I'm just going to have to admit, I finally made it. I'm on Twitter. Please, guys, check it out. This year, man. Oh, no, this just this year. If you go to thisyearman.com, you'll read my blog. And if you just go to Twitter, you can actually get uh, this year, man. So 888-463-6748. A little confusion. We were supposed to have a uh, a guest on at 1015, so it's kind of discombobulating me. It's like I, I, I took a punch to the face. I'm not exactly sure. My whole programming went out the window, but we're expecting a call from our guy, Pigskin Boy, and we'll uh, continue to talk Bears and, and NFL draft after that. Now, just to let you know, if you're a Cub fan, today's a good day. They have a chance to go in and and, and win a four-game series against the, the Philadelphia Phillies, and luckily for the Cubs, they're going into Philadelphia uh, while Cliff Lee is out, Chase Utley is out, and Ryan Howard is out, because you, you got to figure if those two are in the lineup – uh, if Howard and Utley are in the lineup, the Cubs probably would have had a little bit more difficulty, uh, scoring some runs over the last two days. And, um, and also, uh, I mean, the, the Phillies would have had a lot easier chance scoring runs. And also, if Cliff Lee would have been pitched in one of these games, a good chance, uh, he, he would have got a win. But luckily for the Cubs, they got the Phillies when they're a little decimated and they have a chance to actually go out and, and, and get a series win today. And the only way that's going to happen is if Chris Volstead pitches well. And he has not won any of his last 16 starts. As a matter of fact, the last time Chris Volstead won a start was last July, and they were facing the Chicago Cubs. So it's not a good sign. Now, Volstead was the kid that the Cubs got in the Carlos Zambrano deal. So it's one of those things they cut ties with Carlos Zambrano, and you, you got to assume Carlos will probably have a great year with Miami. Uh, well, since the Cubs are paying Zambrano's salary, it would be awful cool if Car- uh, Chris Volstead could actually give the Cubs something and and actually prove that he could be a pretty decent pitcher. The guy is six foot eight. He's got a sinker, which is absolutely perfect for pitching for the Chicago Cubs. So uh yeah, hopefully he'll get that done. 888-463-6748. Now uh the one thing I'll tell you about Chris Volstead, uh, if you if you're six eight and you have a sinker, you're pitching at Wrigley Field, take advantage of it. I, I don't know what the heck happens. Every time he gets in trouble, it's because he starts nibbling, walks somebody, and then all of a sudden he has to make a pitch. A guy hits it out of the ballpark. Ball said, your stuff's pretty good. Your stuff goes down. Let people hit the ball. Challenge people. Throw strikes. Babe Ruth is dead. I promise you. You can you can actually get it done. Okay. 888-463-6748. And we head out to our guy, Patrick Schmidt. Patrick, uh, I'm glad you could join us today. Uh, great thing is, Patrick Smith is one of these guys that I actually uh, have been interacting with on Twitter. I'm explaining to everybody, I'm new to this Twitter world, Patrick. Yeah, I and, am too. And it's, you know, it's pretty sad. It took me, it's the, what, 12th year of the 21st century before I, before I finally joined Twitter world like two weeks ago. And I have found out, I mean, it is both one thing. It is much worse in terms of the garbage that is spewed out there. And it's so cool to be able to connect to people like you who are writing cub blogs and all that stuff. It's absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, it uh, took me a little while to get uh, the whole Twitter thing going, too, until I got an iPhone about a couple weeks ago. And then ever since then, my whole Twitter education has really been taking uh, taking a whole new level. But, yeah, it's fun interacting with Cubs fans, Bears fans, especially during the draft this past, uh, mm-hmm. past weekend. And uh, it's been a whole lot of fun. Now you have your own web show. You have your own. You have your own blog too. Now your web show is on every single uh, Wednesday morning from from eight to ten. How do we get? Uh, how do we get to hear that? Where do we go? Yeah, you can go to sportstownchicago.com and click the listen live icon on Wednesdays between eight to ten. And from there, you can be directed to my own individual show page and find my bio and the links to my blogs and my Twitter and Facebook and 
uh, all the podcasts that'll be up there after uh, after the shows on Wednesdays. Yeah. Now, uh, after so you have to prepare all week. You write your blogs and all that stuff. What's the biggest story out of this weekend? Is it is it Derrick Rose's injury or is it the Bears draft? Considering the city of Chicago now, and we know how big the Bears are. Well, yeah, I would I would say it's the NFL draft just because the Bears the Bears rule Chicago, and it's kind of a three day event. Derrick Rose is it's going to be story one A just because. I mean, the Bulls, they have the best record in the Eastern Conference, coming off the second year in a row with the number one seed in the East, mm-hmm. and it really had some serious title aspirations, and we really wanted to get some revenge against the Miami Heat, possibly in the in the Eastern Conference Finals. So, NFL Draft 1, Derrick Rose injury 1A, in my opinion. Now, um, Tom Thibodeau has flat out said this is not a death sentence, referring to the, the Derrick Rose injury and saying the team still has a shot at the title. I, I still think... That there's a shot. Do you think there's any shot at them winning the NBA championship? And, and if you're going to give a percentage, what it would be? What would it be? Well, yeah, I disagree with Tom Thibodeau. I, I really do think this is a death sentence. It was going to be tough enough as it was winning an NBA title with Derrick Rose, but without Derrick Rose healthy, I, I I'd give them a, a 10% shot at winning the entire thing. I think uh, they should be able to get past the 76 76ers. I wrote my blog yesterday, uh-huh. but. Uh, potential second round match against the Hawks or the Celtics, that, mm-hmm. that, that could be pretty difficult, so. But you still give them yeah. a 10% chance of winning it. 10% chance because it's professional sports and anything can happen and the Bulls, the great thing about the Bulls, they did play pretty well without Rose. Uh-huh. Um, in the regular season they, uh, went 18 and 9 in the games he did miss the season, but again, that was in the regular season against, you know, teams like the Raptors and the Wizards mm-hmm. and, and the Bobcats. This, I mean, you're going against the cream of the crop in the Eastern Conference, but I give them a 10% chance just because anything can happen. And the Bulls do have a great team mentality and a great head coach where they could rally rally around him. And, uh, hey, 10% chance anything can happen. Yeah, You know what the funny thing is? I was the one sitting, sitting here, and I was thinking, you know what, I'm not giving up on him. You know, and then and you kind of were like, you, you know what, it, it is kind of the death sentence. Yet it, your percentage was 10% chance to win. And mine was like, I still think they got like a 5% chance to win, which is funny. Your percentage is higher than mine yet. <laughs> the way, you know, it's kind of, it's like the way we're looking at it is like, they're not dead. They're not dead. Yeah. It's, uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be a tough, tough road to go. Uh, I think they should be able to get past the 76 or 76 years really aren't that strong of a team. And with Noah and Boozer and Dang still on team and they have a deepest bench in, uh, all of the NBA, they should be able to win three more games against the Sixers. But uh-huh. after that, uh, now, I, I, I honestly believe that this team could do something very similar to what the 1994 Bulls team. That was the year after Jordan retired. He had a great team, and they were trying to prove they weren't a one-man show. Can that attitude of the of the players actually work out for them and help them win series, or is it the fact because it was an injury, it hurt? It psychologically, it isn't like us against the world to prove that we're not a whole Derrick Rose show. If you see where I'm getting with that. Yeah, they might be able to get by on that uh, through this series and maybe force a six- or seven-game series in the second round, uh, especially if it's against the Hawks instead of the Celtics. The Celtics, I'm a little, uh, little nervous against her, uh, because they got you know such a veteran-laden team mm-hmm. there. And the matchup of Rajon Rondo against John Lucas, T.J. Watson, just scares the crap out of me. Rajon Rondo will yeah. probably put up a triple-double in every single game if that were the case, but... Uh-huh. They can uh, they can rally behind this injury for a little bit, but uh, in the regular season, they knew 
Derek was going to come back at some point. He had, you know, the toe injuries, the back issues, the groin injuries, and they knew at some point he was going to come back sooner rather than later. Now, and now they know he's not coming back. So, I uh, I really hope they can rally around him. Yeah, I, I uh, certainly I certainly fun. hope they can. Uh, now. Uh, I'm going to be rooting for them. I'm going to see Red the rest of the year, and hopefully they can uh, get something done. It would be awesome if they could somehow beat the Heat without Derrick Rose. But that's a long, long way. That's that's seven wins away for that to ever happen. Now, forget uh, the the 1A story, going back to to the Bears draft and our, and our expertise. Now, I'm not going to ask you to grade it, because I think that's one of the dumbest things to do in sports is to grade a draft, uh, you know, 48 no, hours after, after no. they're picked. But uh, how do you think the Bears did? Uh... Well, I was a little surprised with the first round pick. I had heard about Shane McClellan mm-hmm. in the days and weeks leading up to the draft, him being a fast riser, and uh, a lot of the three, four teams at the bottom of the draft, uh, mm-hmm. like the Patriots and the Packers, particularly being interested in him. But I never really gave him much, much thought because, you know, in my eyes, this guy is a three, four outside linebacker. Obviously, the Bears play a four, three, you know, cover two defense. So I never put uh, any stock into him possibly being. Bears draft pick, and when the Bears were on the clock at 19, uh, on my show on Wednesday, the day before the draft, I uh, had high hopes that they would take a Melvin Ingram or <laughs> possibly Whitney Merciless. I was trying to sell myself a Whitney Merciless because the tea leaves would lead me to believe that if Merciless was there at 19, they were going to take Merciless, but I had really, really wanted Melvin Ingram, and if they were going to go off, then cross my fingers, Michael Floyd was going to be there on a long shot, but uh, when they took McClellan in 19, I was I was pretty shocked because Chandler Jones and Merciless and Riley Reef and David Castle were still yeah. all on the board, so I was kind of shocked in the in the direction they went in the first round. No, I, I was totally with you on the Melvin Ingram thing. As a matter of fact, for like a week, that's all I talked about: Melvin Ingram, Melvin Ingram. And then when he was still available for like five, like for all those picks before the Bears. I was screaming, trade yeah. up, trade up. My buddies were like, just shut up. And all of a sudden, they showed the Melvin Ingram highlights, and my buddies were like, uh, they need to draft him. Yeah. And and then I, you know, I thought they were going to get a shot. Uh, they didn't get him. I, I'm going to. I'm glad they didn't get Whitney Merciless. I'm a diehard Illinois fan, and I know he led the nation in sacks and forced fumbles. He's a playmaker. He's not consistent. The the truth of the matter is, every single snap he put his hand down and rushed the quarterback, whether it was fourth and one, and they were running the ball right at him. Or that's why I was afraid of. He was, you know what I mean. He's not a consistent yeah. player. And the, the guy they got was totally reliable, and I, I think I'm going to be okay with it. Now, how about the, the Alshon Jeffrey pick? As a Bears fan, how are you looking at that? I thought the Alshon Jeffrey pick was their best pick of the draft. I, I, I like the Jeffrey pick. I mean, yeah, he does have some question marks and some red flags, but, again, that's why he was drafted in the second round. If, you know, if he was taken in the first round with these many question marks, then I'd have some serious skepticism. Mm-hmm. But as a second-round pick, I like this guy some Seriously imposing target, almost six foot four. Hopefully, can play around the 215, 220 pound weight range, and not the 240 pound weight that he played in as a junior. But guy coming from the SEC, best conference in college football, outstanding defenses week in and week out. It mm-hmm. goes against, but uh, as a sophomore, burst out out of the team. He was unbelievable. Almost had 90, almost had 90 grabs for mm-hmm. 1500 yards and nine touchdowns. But as a junior, stats came back a little bit down to earth, but. Then again, you delve a little bit deeper into the stats, and you saw, well, Steven Garcia's quarterback was dismissed from the team. Yeah. Bringing a, a green Connor Shaw, and they had Marcus Lattimore there in the backfield, who is probably going to be the top running back in the draft next year. The next year's Trent Richardson, so 
Yeah, if, if he's healthy. If, if he's healthy, yeah. Yeah, because Marcus Lattimore suffered a, a grotesque injury near the end of last yeah. year. Yeah, so. torn ACL against Mississippi State last year. But I guess Furrier is saying he's uh, coming along in his rehab, and uh, I guess in the next month or so he'll be, uh, he'll be ready to go as far as running and cutting and, and all that. But, but yeah, Jeffrey definitely had some red flags. Didn't do the positional drills at the combine. Kind of... Didn't endear himself to the NBA scouts or NBA NFL scouts and GMs, but his pro day came in weighing 213 pounds. He can weigh 213 pounds for the Bears. I think he'll, I think he'll be outstanding opposite Brandon Marshall and catching passes from Cutler. Uh, the, the, all right, Patrick Schmidt, I got two more questions for you. Where, right. what was the steal of the draft? So even if it's Robert Griffin at second, he should have went number one, or a guy that was in the sixth round that should have went higher, and who got taken way too high? Those two things. So who was the steal, and who was the, oh, my goodness, he's robbing money? Well, the robbing money, which is what happened first. I mean, to me, when the Seahawks took Bruce Irvin, I thought, wow. <laughs> you mean a guy that could have taken it in the third round? Yeah, I thought, wow. <laughs> even if you like this guy, nobody's got him on their board, uh-huh. you know, in the top. Top 12, let alone the top 32 picks in the first round. So. If if you want him, don't you just trade the pick? Don't you just trade yeah. it? You, you're, right. Nobody yeah, else is going to take the guy. Oh, is that yeah. horrible? Definitely try and trade down or, you know, take somebody you got in the, in the top 15 picks on your big board yeah. and then try and trade up into the bottom of the first round or top of the second round if you want, if you really want this guy. But yeah. That was, that was definitely uh, the first prize. I, I remember reading about the Bears and Lovey being interested in Bruce Irvin a couple weeks ago. As a possible third round pick. Yes. In the third round, I was like, no, I don't want this guy. I don't want this guy. Too many characteristics, but that was, uh, the big surprise for me. And, uh, as far as the guys that went too early, as far as the guy that I was surprised lasted that long, I think this might be the best pick of the first round outside of the top two quarterbacks, but Steelers getting David DeCastro at number 24. That is just a absolutely perfect pick mm-hmm. for the Steelers. And I think this guy is going to be the next Steve Hutchinson, an 8-10 to time Pro Bowler. Plug him in right away at left guard. I think the Steelers hit an absolute home run with the David DeCastro pick. Yeah, but since David DeCastro is straight edge, how is Marquise Ponce going to hand the, the blunt over to Mike Adams? Because there's a guard in between that doesn't – never mind, never mind. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry. yeah. <laughs> All right, Patrick Smith, how could, uh, how could our listeners get a hold of you? Uh, you can listen to me on Wednesdays from 8 to 10. Uh, in the morning on sportsonchicago.com and you can also follow me on Twitter at Patrick A. Schmidt. I really appreciate it, Patrick. We're going to have you on hopefully some other day and we can talk some Cub baseball, my friend. That sounds great. Thanks for having me. Uh, appreciate it, Patrick. All right, All right pa- Patrick drops off. I appreciate him coming in here. He's got an excellent blog. You should definitely check it out. And now we head on out to our one and only football outsider and that's our guy, Pigskin. Boy, what's up, Pigskin? How you doing this glorious morning? I'm doing great, boy. That's a tough act to follow. Yeah, yeah. Patrick Smith, excellent. You, you got to read his stuff. He, he is. He really writes good stuff on the Chicago Cubs, and he's definitely a, a football expert. And I forgot to ask him where he played. He played football in the Chicagoland area, and I forgot to ask him where he played. I'll get, I'll get him on. So I'll get him on some other day. So how you doing, Pigskin? Are you happy? Are you ecstatic about the position that your Bears are in, or are are you ready to jump off the ledge? Where are you at? Um, with the, with, you know, Joel, with the overall thing, I really like the free agency, so I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I'm happy because of the free agencies. I agree with you guys 100%. You can't judge a draft 48 hours later. Uh-huh. Yes, I think RG3 is good and Andrew Luck is good. And if you're going to... Uh, Morris, Morris Claiborne is probably going to be a great corner. But other than that, um, you know, it just, you got to wait at least two to three years. 
Um, what I would look forward to was more guys that can help them immediately. Yes. Um, I really like the Alshon Jeffries pick. Yes. My favorite. Yes. That's, that, that pick is so good. And also, I want to remind everybody this. When you're looking at the Bears draft picks and you're like, well, is, I don't know, Shea McClellan and, well, Alshon Jeffrey, you know, he had a bad junior year when he left. Don't forget this. Brandon Marshall is considered a draft pick in this draft as far as I'm concerned. It's what you get out of the draft. The Bulls are able to, uh, the Bears, the Bears were able to take two of their picks and get Brandon Marshall with that. So when you look at this draft, remember that. Brandon Marshall is a third round pick in the middle of all this. So, all of a sudden you're like, wow, we got a, a guy that legitimately, if you can do the Brandon Marshall draft again, he'd be the fifth player taken. Am I wrong about that, a pigskin? How high would Brandon Marshall go if you can redo the 2006 draft? He'd be oh, the first, he might be, I don't know all the receivers, but he'd be probably the first receiver off the board. Yes. Um, you know, somebody, somebody, big dog was telling me, said the other day, you know what, this is a Nintendo league now. And you better have some players mm-hmm. in the Nintendo League. Um, yes. I would have gone a little more. I really like the Castro. I'm not just parroting it. I liked him. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew Luck called him vicious. Um, yes, I, he does have a good mentality. He, his feet are unreal. He's the best pulling guard like I, that has come out of college that I, I can ever remember. The guys were, he's like a, a freaking tight end the way he runs around. I mean, he'd be a first base starter. So I would have liked something more like that, but mm-hmm. um, I don't. I don't know enough. You know, big dog. You watch. You watch much more college than I do. I don't know anything about Shea McClellan. But wasn't South Carolina pretty much team chaos this year? They absolutely were, uh, because of their starting quarterback. You know what? You can drink. You can smoke. You can do whatever you want to do. I, I'm not about to sit here and, and, and point fingers at you. But if you're the starting quarterback of a college team, you don't go around smoking weed every day. And the quarterback doing that totally disrupted the whole entire the whole entire program. Let's let's face it. And the Spurrier had to kick the kid off the team. I don't blame Alshon Jeffrey for that. I don't blame Melvin Ingram for that. And by the way, I agree with your Marcus Claiborne, Maurice Claiborne uh, prediction that he is going to be a play a playmaker. So is Melvin Ingram. I am ninety nine point nine percent convinced that five years from now, Melvin Ingram will have been an All Pro player. I mean, he's going to. That's how good that guy is going to be. Um, so you know it's hard to it's hard to pick all these guys up. But why do you why did you bring up South Carolina uh, being like in uh, chaos? Why did you bring that up? Well, they had the problem with Garcia. Mm-hmm. Lattimore, who was one of the best backs in the whole country, went out real early with a with a devastating injury. Yes, and that's when they were giving him the ball forty times a game. Yeah, it just seemed to, it just seemed to me that every time that Carolina came out on Saturday morning, it was always something. It wasn't. It was always a problem there. And I just got the feeling that uh, this that that last year for Jeffries was kind of a throwaway year. Yes. The year before, um, wasn't he the second best receiver other than Blackman in the entire country? I, I said that. Uh, I said it to Dave Olson. Absolutely, he was. There was no question. The only guy that would have compared to him was Michael Floyd. Michael Floyd might have been a little better than him, uh, but Michael Floyd had the the bad shoulder. So Alshon Jeffries statistically was the second best receiver in the country and no worse than third in terms of how good of a receiver he truly is. You talked about the Nintendo League. We've been we've been talking football since 2002. Both of us are smash mouth. We believe in running the ball, stopping the run, hitting quarterbacks in the mouth, protecting the quarterback. And I am willing to admit that over the last 10 years, 
I have come to the fact that quarterbacks are a lot more important than I ever gave them credit for way back in the day. And flat out, you've got to have playmakers on the outside to make plays because, quite simply, the rules are set up right now that you can't touch a wide receiver. So if you get a guy that's very hard to guard, if you can't touch them, you can make plays all day long with these guys. And I'm going to tell you this right now, and Pigskin, please remind me that I said this. Jay Cutler is going to end up being considered one of the best quarterbacks ever in the history of the NFL. Did you? Did you? I'm going out on a limb, and I'm saying that. I think that this year, with a little protection and some playmakers on the outside, he throws for 4,500 yards, 30 touchdowns, and most importantly, he does everything the Bears need. He's going to play winning quarterback. Mark it down this year. It happens. Oh, man, I hope so. You know, two guys that are that um, they picked up that I really like, Joel, um, the inside linebacker they got from Tampa, I, I'm, I'm trying to get his name. Um, uh, Geno Hayes. Yes, Gino. Woo! Woo! Gino Hayes! And by, you know what I love about Gino Hayes? Could be a he's, day one starter. He's going to play strong side linebacker. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, uh, he's mm-hmm. a huge upgrade over Dick mm-hmm. uh, Roach, who, you know, he's nice special teams. That's where he belongs. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling the other guy, and I, because I'm a fantasy geek, who I think is really good is Michael Bush. Absolutely. Michael Bush, Michael Bush is a starting halfback. When Darren McFadden went down, Darren McFadden last year, if you remember, Joel, was just about to break O.J. Simpson's records. If you remember the first five weeks of the season, he was incredible. Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah absolutely, that's that's Darren McFadden. He went down. He is a guy who does not play in pain. And i got to tell you, if they plugged in Michael Bush, and for the next four weeks, Michael Bush was putting up the big Fadden number. Mm-hmm. Michael Bush is not a backup in a one-back one set. Michael Bush is a starting halfback in the NFL. And and, and the great thing is, so is Matt Forte. Exactly. And, and I, if, if you don't agree with this, we'll, we'll see. But I believe Matt Forte's only weakness is short yardage running. He is not a move the pile. He's not a, oh, it's third and two. I'm getting the ball and nobody can stop me type running back. You know, he's just not one of those guys. That's all right. Michael Bush is, though, isn't he? He's the perfect compliment. Yeah, when it's third and two, you put three tight ends out there, a fullback, and you say, hey, everybody on the planet, Michael Bush is getting the ball. And guess what? You know, and they won't be able to stop him. It's the perfect compliment to Forte. If Bush and Forte are healthy, if the whole offense is healthy for 14 of the 16 games, Bears win 12 games next year. I'm serious. The Bears are going to win 12 games next year. The Packers are the most overrated, overflawed team in the NFL. Yes, they have ridiculous strengths. The receiving core, best in football. Their quarterback, best in football. Their secondary, great. One good pass rusher, one good defensive lineman, bad linebackers, bad offensive line. Packers get exposed. They'll finish in third place in the NFC North this year. Watch it. Watch. I'm telling you, I'm convinced of it. Oh, I love that thought. I don't know about third, but I'll tell you, um, you know, it's the Lions have really made this into a at least um, a three three good team division. Uh, I think the Vikings are going to take a while. The Vikings have kind of supplanted the Lions as the fourth place team. Yes, yes, they have. Thank you. Uh, thankfully, well, I'll tell you, if the Lions ever get their defense together, um, that's a heck of an offense. Yes, and, it is. Well, they need running too. They need they need some running in that on that offense too. Yeah, well, Best has hurt a lot. I'm mm-hmm. surprised they didn't go for a. Well, they drafted the kid from Illinois, Lashore, who got hurt before he even played a down. Tommy Best is a great back for all three games he plays. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, ask the Bears, 88-yard run, just because uh, Lance Briggs doesn't fill properly in a on a hole. Uh, you know, we talked about grading, uh, grading drafts afterwards. Uh, th- I, I saw something the other day, and they were like, you know, you shouldn't grade a draft. You know, right after it, you go back. So they went back over the last five years. The Detroit Lions have dra- drafted the best in the NFL, and then the New York yeah. Jets. I mean, I mean yeah. the New York, the the Detroit Lions and the New York Gi- Giants are the two yeah. best drafting teams since Matt Millen left. <laughs> they, everybody they've drafted is awesome. Awesome. They have not missed on any picks. They're taking five foot eight defensive backs that play strong safety in the second round, getting ripped on by people, and later they're like, "Man, this Elvis Dumas is the best safety in the league." So you know the the Lions have. You're exactly right. The Lions and the Bears and the Packers have got themselves some pretty good football organizations right now, Pigskin Boy. Yeah, but I, you know, dog, I, I, the Lions should be good. My lord, they had twenty years of being bad. They ought to have something to show for it. I'm just waiting for them to draft a couple more receivers at the top of the draft. So Charles Rogers <laughs> still out there. <laughs> Charles Rogers, the greatest college receiver I've ever seen. Well, you know, you know the guy that we liked what what eight five eight years ago. Remember, remember Mike Williams, the next Jerry Rice. Uh, and hopefully Alshon Jeffrey, the Bears' second-round pick, does not become the next Mike Williams and eat himself out of the league. I don't think he will. I don't think so he will either. Piskin, I really do appreciate you and uh, calling us up and giving us some uh, your your talk on the NFL draft. Now, how can we get a hold of you? How do, how do we get a hold? Of, what's your Twitter handle? I don't have it. I'm not on Twitter. I, nobody cares what I do. Okay, then that's that would be a great Twitter handle. Nobody, Nobody cares what I do. That's a good – you should get that. I do appreciate everybody for listening. Thank you for calling in, Pigskin Boy. That's the end of the show. Thank you, Patrick A. Schmidt. David Olson, you did a phenomenal job. And I want to thank David Olson first and foremost for picking my butt up from the Jefferson Park uh, Blue Line. Pigskin, Patrick, David, all the listeners, we will see you tomorrow. Coach will be in this seat. And uh, – I'll be at Water Riders getting ready to do some uh, some tours. Everybody, 888-463-6748. See you tomorrow.